today. As I told you, it was a two-man race with Eric Bieniemy not a part of that short list. They have found their man. The new Texans coach is Ravens assistant head coach David Coley. Coley flew to Houston last night and interviewed in person this morning. It was his second interview with GM Nick Casario along with chairman and CEO Cal McNair. It's Coley, who is 65 and has been in the NFL coaching circuit for 27 years, has plenty of experience but has never held a coordinator's position. It mattered who they hired. They could have hired Vince Lombardi. They could have hired anyone you want. They could have hired Eddie Robinson. Deshaun Watson was going to hold fast to his idea to request that trade. And I don't think it's a reflection in any way, shape, or form about the new general manager, Nick Casario, the new head coach, David Cullen. And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast, talking your Cal McNair disasters straight from the Great British Isles. Probably one of the strangest 24-hour period probably in the history of Houston sports and and the Texans. Joining me this week is James, founder of Texans Unfiltered. James, I've seen many people just kind of hit their point of no return and saying, I'm out. How have you kind of processed the last sort of 24 hours? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when you look at the situation, I, I can understand the frustration. Um, I'm, I'm definitely there, right? Uh, and with the head coaching hire, the Nick Casario hire, Deshaun Watson actually asking for a trade, um, these are things that, yeah, I think if you looked back after the loss to Kansas City, you probably never would have imagined. Yet here we are. Yeah, and the last last time I was at a game in person was in Kansas City. I remember talking about it, thought it was one of the best wins in franchise history because you went up to a Super Bowl favorite, the eventual winner, and won. And I had thought yesterday, you know, if that's my last ever one, then maybe that's the way I should leave it. And I think that's kind of how, how I sort of kind of processed it. I probably based my life and life choices for a decade around making an extra, a long trip to go and see games, spending more time than you'll ever get back, investing in it and the whole team and process as a whole. And I think it just feels probably for everybody that the rug's been pulled under your feet. And you knew this was coming. I mean, nothing's changed materially apart from a head coaching hire, which will be overshadowed for the entire reign and particularly, you know, this afternoon's press conference. But I don't know what it was about it, but it just felt when it came official yesterday, it it was even though you knew it was coming. It's, it, it, I, I don't think you can ever pre- prepare yourself for quite hard. It's how hard it's going to hit you. Yeah, no, I would agree. <clears throat> you know, I mean, this entire situation is a cluster, right? Putting it nicely, um, and there's a lot of blame, and there's a lot of blame, and it, it's not all one way. It's not all one way. There are there, Deshaun has some involvement in this as well, and I think that's part that people tend to want to leave out. You know, uh, you know, you mentioned that you're going to have Stefan. She's she's going to go straight with the organization, but you have to look at Deshaun's camp and Deshaun Watson as well. He's done some things that <clears throat> you would think, uh, you know, he he wouldn't have done, and there's a lot of involvement on both parts. And while you know Jack Easterby is the is the main culprit. And I would agree, 
He definitely uh, has his imprint all over this thing. Cal messed things up uh, in, in a way that, you know, it looks like it's irreparable. But Deshaun had his his hand in this as well. And what a sucky day to know that the day that we're having a press conference for our new head coach, that the focus isn't going to be on that. Now, on a guy who is putting together a really good staff, very surprising how, how, how well of a staff he's putting together. And uh, yet it, it doesn't matter uh, because of everything, this, this great crowd, great cloud uh, over NRG right now. It's uncharacteristic for everything we know about Watson. At the end of the Colts game when they lost, he said, you know, we've been so close, but you'll get a Super Bowl out of me, I, I promise you that. And I think that was only a few months ago. And there has been, you know, like a mortal failure of this organisation. And you're only as good as your owner allow you to be, okay? And that's obviously the big detractor, and that's what everybody's been framing it as. But, uh, yeah, I think what to me still doesn't quite make sense is it's not the character we know. I've got more than more than an openness to assume that that is his camp managing this in the way they see fit to get their best for their client long-term. And nobody could blame his agent, uh, David Magaletta, anybody athletes first for thinking this has been coming for a long, long time. And the, the the chance that they had to redefine it and put Deshaun in a position to succeed, they didn't take it. Therefore, there's no turning back. And I do get that. Um, and and I, I heard somebody say yesterday, do you, was this part of their plan to, or since Casario was coming at some point to, to trade him because it's the only way to improve things because they've let it go so far. And maybe they've realised it. And you think, well, I don't think they're capable of thinking that long-term and thinking in a way that would allow them to play the long game in a careful manner that only came to light when it, when the actual action occurred. But I do think athletes first, David Magaletta, this was well within their thinking because if he was to be traded now, teams would be getting him for circa 29 million APY. Um, so his value is is high. And it, you know, it may be, I don't think there's any value you get back that replaces him. But certainly they've done everything they can to put him in a position to be able to be traded at this stage if they didn't think it was going to all, all come together in a way that the team could have done if they made the right changes. Yeah. Um, man. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. Um, I, I, I would like to think that Nick is smart enough to where he can think about these things ahead of time. You know, I know with everything that's happened, it's hard to think that there's somebody smart football wise within the organization that's going to forecast these things. Um, but I do think that there's a part of it, right. You know, and, and the reason why I think that is when you look at the hiring process for the head coach, it's been reported that every head coach interview, uh, it has been, um, relayed to them, uh, about Deshaun Watson's trade request. And, Yet you still had people who were interested in in the job, right? You know, the the one guy who people claim wasn't interested in the job is Eric Bieniemy, and he was interested in the job until he couldn't get roster control and top five head coaching money. I mean, he was asking for more money than Mike Tomlin. That's just unrealistic. But then again, when you think about it, the, what you pay your coach really doesn't matter because it doesn't impact your your salary. Or I mean, your your, your salary cap. But you know, Eberflus. Uh, was interested, right? We we all remember the report that he was going to come in for an interview, and then it was denied, and then he he declined it, right? Then he came back once Nick was in the building, and had the interview. 
So I, I, I have to think that there was some forecasting going on in regards to Deshaun Watson with Nick Casario. As just based on reports, it, it makes sense that that's the case. The the change, or certainly the catalyst for you know this trade request being formally placed in the last few weeks. I think when you're Casario and it was your hire that that was effectively the final you know the the final straw that brought the camels back for the Watson camp. Then it's almost hard to probably process that. And in fact, the the, the reason that you're here. Not you personally, but the way you were hired by the people that hired you. I, I think that probably would have taken a few days to sink in from, because I do think he's a smart guy. But when actually you're part of the problem you're trying to fix, how do you fix it? And I don't know. And I think that's that's probably where they've got to now, with the or certainly at the start of this week or whenever the request was handed in. But it just seems. So such a kind of flawed process. But as I said, you're only as good as your owner. And I think, you know, it was put out two weeks ago. I think it was Lance Erling said, you know, it came straight from the Watson camp. that, uh, And he'd also said, you know, that Deshaun wanted to know who the who the potential GM candidates who weren't going to take the job because of BNME. I'm sorry, sorry, because of Easterby being in the building. He wanted to know that. So he'd obviously you know, reached out to, to hear part of the process, realized that it was Easterby that again that was pulling the strings. And it was and you've got an owner who's not got any sort of self-sense of how to do things and relies on others. And we're hiring a head coach today. And I'm just going to read you this uh, this this uh, statement that was in the, the press email that came out, James. I just want to get your thought of it. So it says along the way. Had countless people, organizations, family members, and friends pour into me and prepare a path for me. My genuine hope is together at this moment is for much of it is for them than it is for it is mine. Let's get to work and do it together. I just thought the pour into me bit. Who does that sound exactly like? Uh, okay, yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm out on all, all that stuff right now. But um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like Easter Bee, right? But. At the end of the day, if you also watch any David Coley interview and watch how he's moved, um, he's a very religious man himself. And a lot of how he talks and what he says is around religion and and certain beliefs. So I I wouldn't be surprised if that came from David. No, I I think it is. And I I think that was the reason why he's hired. And, you know, somebody said to me yesterday, what do you think of the daily, uh, the the Coley hiring? And my, my response was, I think having a patsy head coach is the least of our problems. Our problems are on a far grander scale than who's going to be the current head coach. Here, here's the frustration I have. The organization is being built upon faith, not built upon football. And while I understand that faith can play a part, we've seen it time and time again in America where the fake faith, the fake Christian guy snake charmer comes in and is able to wiggle his way through and 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 build things the way that he's looking to build and in football there's so many different aspects involved that you can't build a team on faith right when you look around the league and you see guys who uh, the texans would have never drafted or signed because of what they've done early on in their lives as kids um you have to think that moving forward that those those guys those character concern guys are off the table, right? Because you're building the organization or on faith. And um, 
that's a problem. So you're not doing what's best for football. You're doing what's best for what you believe faith-wise. And th- there's no way this works. There's no way this works. I feel bad for Nick Casario. I feel bad for David Coley because there's no way that this plan works on building your organization on faith. And I think the the, the two the, or the distinction there, you know, we talked about that when we talked about it used to be he's like the righteous gemstones guys. He, he goes out there, does a does a great show on a Sunday and walks away with all these people's money and gets in their private jet while these people go back off to their lives. And football is similar to that in that sense. But I think the difference between the football and faith element, regardless of, you know, it's, it's whatever kind of cornerstones you want to put in your life and help shape the way you think about things, that's one thing. It's part of the process. But the difference is for me that, that faith gives a qualitative outcome. Professional sports is a quantitative outcome, and you only reach that quantitative outcome by winning games, and that's by putting people together, the best staff you can, on and off the field. And faith can't deliver that for you because it's just not as easy as that. No business is running that way, um, and this business shouldn't be any different, but it's been treated like that in a naive sense of an owner who just looks like whatever step he takes at the minute is just going to put the team back. And and you think of the 18 months, two years now, it's slowly got worse. It's got worse. And it wasn't until the Casario hire was it felt like for the first time the pressure had been turned up. The heat was on them at that point. Why do you think people let it get to a point where it was so bad? Do you think it was just Watson covered it up? Or what, what allowed them to get to that point where there's been an obvious pressure in recent weeks, but there was 18 months where you could argue there just wasn't enough pressure? Do you think, are, you, are you talking about specifically with Deshaun or just in general? Well, just I think in general, I mean, because you could feel in the press conference that even the, even the media were pissed off. It got that bad. But why was it allowed to get this bad through the last 18 months? Because this is one of many mistakes. I and mean, obviously, the the current choices we've made, David Cully, arguably Nick Casario, letting Deshaun go, whatever the next set of mistakes are, you know, they talk about doing the next right thing, but it's just a series of, of mistakes and, and lack of lack of foresight. Why do you think it's been allowed to build up so over time to now it's got to the point where it's irreparable on so many levels? Well, do you remember the Dwayne Brown situation? Well, that was the start. That was number one domino. Right. Yeah. No. Agreed. That's what every. That's where all of this. This. This really started. But do you remember? Remember the situation specifically. Do you remember how it started and how it ended and why it ended and what gave Dwayne the power to be able to get out? Uh, from memory, we talked about this in the obviously the contract dispute held out. The team held him out. Bob McNair, whether he meant it or not, put those comments out in the press, and that just was the final straw that he could use leverage to. To, to engineer a move out when all they had to do was guarantee the second last year of his contract, give him a portion of that guaranteed, but they refused to. Right, right. So basically it was a perfect storm, right? Dwayne Brown holds out, comes back. The week before, the week he comes back, a comment is flying around, and he's able to leverage that and use it to get what he wants. This situation to me is very, very similar, Right. We're going to paint. Cal told me I was going to be involved. In Cal's mind, then this, I'm not defending Cal McNair. I do think that he made some mistakes. But here, here's, here's the way that I see it. Cal met with Deshaun. That's been reported. Um, he met multiple times throughout the season. They had dinner. Uh, they talked on the day of the season ending. 
they had conversations, right? So Cal was doing his part to keep his franchise quarterback involved. Now, there was a miscommunication with the two at some point. I think Deshaun was expecting to be fully involved and and have a real say. And Cal was under the impression that I'm going to hear kind of what you're looking for, and then I'm going to go try to find it. And that didn't happen, right? I think Cal made a mistake, didn't really fully communicate the way that Deshaun was expecting, and Nick Asario was hired. So, boom, the first straw broke. So then reports after that come out about how Deshaun was supposed to be involved. He was supposed to be heard and all these things. And it didn't happen. Then you fast forward and you don't hire Eric Bieniemy, right? The one guy that everybody knew Deshaun Watson wanted. And now a trade request comes out. Now this trade request was submitted into the organization two weeks ago. So while the media just broke it yesterday. This were, this has already been done. David has already let the organization know that Deshaun Watson would like out. So it doesn't even matter who the head coach is. They made the decision. To me, this situation is very similar. David and his team made this, this storm, this media storm, painted Deshaun as the good guy, painted the organization as the awful guy, and they do have their faults, and then was able to capitalize when they hired a coach that nobody expected him to hire. And now Deshaun's going to be able to try to get what he wants because it's been played perfectly by athletes first to have an idea on how to maneuver going forward. They've already seen how this works when the pressure is on the Texans. They already know. They've seen it with Robert McNair and they saw it with Bill O'Brien and now they're they're trying to take that same solution and, and run it their way. And I don't think it's going to work. I think that I think Cal is going to tell Deshaun, you're not, we're not trading you. And like, if you think about it, he just signed his contract. He hasn't even played a snap under his contract, right? He's getting paid $156 million. He's said all season long, his goal was to bring a championship to this organization. He said that he wants to be legendary, that he wants to do all these great things. You know, he's doing all these things within the Houston community. He, he brings a franchise here. He's doing all these things, and yet this has led to a trade request? This entire thing has led to a trade request? To me, I don't think that's what it is. I think David wants him in a market where he can make more money. I think David wants him in New York or Miami where he can make more marketing dollars, more advertising dollars, and become more of a NFL marketable player. You got to think, how does David make money as an agent? He takes his 12% or whatever it is, yeah. Right. So are you going to get that with the Texans organization right now? Well, yeah, I saw some of that if, if Eli Manning can make $10 million a year in endorsements, what can Deshaun make? Right. And I think that's – and it just so happens New York Jets and Miami are, are the, the guys that you could probably only look at to be even in the realms of a justifiable trade. But I think it's a fallacy in some sense because I, if I take it back a step, you know, you said he talked about want to be legendary. I don't think this is 100% of his own accord. It would be impossible to do that unless he is the best actor in the public eye and has got a completely different persona away from that, which I don't think he has from what I've seen and observed. 
then I think this is a realization or a managed move from his from his team. Like I said, that that they, that he doesn't necessarily want this, but he, he sees the benefits and is taking the advice that of people he trusts. And I get that, but I think it comes back to if he goes to Miami or if he goes to the Jets, his his legendary or the desire to be legendary to achieve that status. How's he going to do that if they give right. up, you know, seven or eight picks plus right. players? And right. I think that's that's the thing is the grass greener for him because if he goes to the Jets, they're probably only one. They're probably the only roster. That's worse than I was on paper because I went through the roster the other night. There's no one there to trade for. You know, I just said we'll take Ryan Griffin and Vincent Smith just so we can cut them. You know, I don't. I there's there's not a huge amount there apart from Quinn and Williams, Marcus May, Mecky Beckton, etc. So I, I think if you if you lose some of those players plus the ability to improve that roster, his situation that was in 2020 with the Texans will be exactly the same with the Jets. Now the Miami scenario is slightly different because they've hit on most of their free agent signings. So Miami's an option. Whether he wants to go there or not, it would save us because of the off-field benefits. But I just don't think necessarily it's well thought through because I think if the Texans trade him, whatever they get, they lose. And if and if he goes to a team that gives up lots of picks, then is he any better off than he is right now? Yes, exactly. You hit it right on the head. The only team that he could possibly be a contender on with this is the Miami Dolphins. The Jets have too many holes on their entire roster, right? They, you're right, 100%. Their roster is, is worse than our roster currently constructed. Their offensive line, while they have Mekhi Becton, is still trash. They have no wide receivers whatsoever. They have no cornerbacks. Their linebackers are old. Their defensive line consists of Quinn and Williams. There's a ton of holes on this. And if you trade for Deshaun Watson and you give up, four first-round picks, five first-round picks, whatever it takes. How are you going to be able to build around Deshaun in the way that you can build a competitive team? You can't. Okay, not at least for the first two to three years, at least. I would say three is being nice. So you're going to take your legendary status and go to the Jets and be legendary? I can't see it. Now, Miami... I can see. And I think Miami is where he ends up, to be honest with you, if he is traded. I think Miami is where he goes. David has a great relationship with Brian Flores, the head coach there. Um, Brian has been very, very, uh, very um, in the media about social injustice. Um, and David, that's David's bag. David is all about that stuff as well. That's that's really what he who he is as a person. So when you combine the two, that that's going to be the location that Deshaun lands. Also got to take into account. Uh, the only uh, that I think that's the only other state that has no local state taxes. So his deal is still really friendly for Deshaun and David. Um, and they have a roster where you can compete. They can give up those picks and still still compete and add some pieces. So but that's it. That's it. Those are the only two teams that can give up what you would what it would take to get Deshaun Watson. You know, a lot of people are throwing out Carolina. Carolina would be a great spot for Deshaun. I would love to see what he looks like with Joe Brady. But man, talk about an offensive line that's bad. You know, their defense is is good, but you know, Curtis Samuel, um, DJ Moore, those guys, there's one two of those guys are, are gonna be out soon. Um, so I just don't know. I, I, I don't think that I and I agree with you. I think this whole thing is David. I don't think any of this is Deshaun. 
So we got to remember where Deshaun comes from before for us to understand his mindset and his mentality, right? This is the same guy who latched on to Dabo Sweeney. This is the same guy who latched on to Bill O'Brien. Okay. Yeah. He is looking for someone who can like a father figure, someone that he can lean on and trust and have their total devotion and loyalty. And we saw how quick that was with Bill O'Brien. We saw he wrote him till the end. Okay. He defended Bill in a way that you haven't seen most quarterbacks or most players in the league back a mediocre coach. And he, David is now filling that role. So while I think Deshaun would love to stay in Houston, I think David is in his head letting him know that there's other opportunities and there's other ways for you to attain this legendary status. I just don't think David's painting the full picture to let him understand that if you leave, you're going to go to a roster, if you go to the Jets, most likely, uh, that is going to be depleted in all areas. Yeah, the only the only other one I would you would even fathom accepting, I think, is albeit you'd see him twice a year would be the Jags, and if he if they would be willing to give up the first overall pick plus the other first this year plus another first and say a second and another third or something like that, maybe a, throwing a, a player in there as well, then then you think that's you could kind of see well we'll take the next coming or the closest thing you could possibly get it's still a risk hence why you want a, a hold of picks back for it but yeah I, I, the options are so limited to make it just the unjustifiable justifiable um and i think as well when you think of when you talk about perfect storm with the comments and the Dwayne brown exit as well i think it's it to sean's loyalty perpetuated the situation with Bill O'Brien. He should have probably gone in 17. He definitely should have gone in 18. And how on earth they kept him in after 19 only contributed to the demise of this team. So, like, he he plays a role in it. And as you said, he, he obviously looks to people. You see that with Quincy Avery as well. You see that with, with different guys he obviously latches on to for, you know, for whatever reason. Um, and I think he's, he's got a role to play in that. And I if the Texans play hardball, do you see him changing his mind? It would seem highly unlikely at this stage, but if it was down to him alone and less to do with the, the agent influence, do you think you could see him changing his mind somehow? I think it's going to be interesting when David um, is able to talk to Deshaun. You know, not talk to David, but talk to Deshaun. You know, is David going to let Deshaun talk to the, the organization? I think David's playing it very close to the vest. I think he's very smart. He knows Deshaun. He knows his emotions. He knows what he latches onto. And I think David will be the one that, that has those conversations. I don't think David will let Deshaun talk to, to the staff because I think David knows that Deshaun is going to likely buy in um, because that's who Deshaun is. And I can't see a situation where that happens. Now, if that does happen, you know, David Coley does have a relationship with Deshaun Watson. Uh, they hit it off at the Pro Bowl last year. And from every report and every media person that I've read about David Coley, one of them, there was a great one on NFL Network yesterday talking specifically about how he's known Coley for 19 years. And if anybody can fix this situation with Deshaun Watson, it's David Coley. As people, players and people levitate towards him. They listen to him. And so... I think it could be repairable, but you have to wonder how far will Deshaun's camp go to make it not repairable. Yeah, and McLean actually said, and he's, I don't think I've actually ever 
heard him say this out loud before, but yet he, he said you'll definitely not see Deshaun back in the building as long as Easterby is. And it's certainly been asked about, but I don't think it's never been directly addressed by that before. before. And I saw Aaron Wilson also said that there was some intimation if Cal had have, have gone and flown out to New York or flown out to speak to him or meet him in person, there, there perhaps would have been a bit of an adjustment in position. That's not happened. As Cal is an owner with the people he's got around him, can you ever see a change or are we just set for abject failure? Because it doesn't really feel like unless Cal moves on or he's, he's or, or Bob Jr. takes over, even though he looks after the real parts of the business. And I asked somebody that, that knows the family very well uh, why he wasn't involved. And the answer was, well, he basically runs the stuff that, that needs to be run. And there was an expectation after 10, 12 years of, of shadowing, he could at least pick it up and not ruin it. <laughs> it was basically what I took from it reading between the lines. And But he has ruined it. I don't think it is. I think I, I put a picture yesterday when I was you know, screaming at Deshaun coming off the field at Wembley. And I thought that was going to be my quarterback for the next 15 years. And I don't think it is now. And I don't think there's any point of return for anybody watching this team because like, I, I, I didn't ever have any illusions of being good. I didn't have any, I, I, I had no qualms about, or no interest in finding a team for me that, that was going to, that was going to win. That's not what it was about. It was about Houston, the people, people like yourself, James. And you just got to think there's so many people that are just deserve better than this because it's, it, it sucks. It's the worst. It's, you could not have, Cal could have not fucked this up more than he has. Yeah. I think, um, first of all, you're, you're hundred percent right. Um, you know, I was on the phone with a, with a fan last night who I've grown extremely close with on Twitter and we talked for an hour and a half and she, she pretty much said the same thing you said. It's, it's like they, she had this, this relationship with Tashaun that, you know, could never be tarnished. And she thought she had her quarterback for the next 15 years. And I think we all did, you know, I think we all believed that through all of this at the end of the day, Deshaun Watson, who talks about facing adversity and not giving up was going to be the guy that was able to lead us through this. And ultimately I think every fan expected Deshaun Watson to be in the, in a Texans Jersey for a long time. And that gave the city hope that gave the city, the feeling that no matter what happens with Deshaun Watson under center, we will always have a chance. Now that that dream is becoming a nightmare, I think fans are at a point where, and, and I think you also have to take into account like just what's happened in the city of Houston and sports over the last two years, right? Like Astros cheating. James Harden forces his way out. Bill O'Brien, you know, 24-0 uh, lead blown in the, in the division round. Bill O'Brien fired. Now Deshaun Watson wants out. It's an accumulation of everything for the city of Houston. And that's the part that people are really having an understanding because I don't think anybody expected Deshaun Watson to be the guy that re requests a trade and forces his way out based on what we know of him. And then yet here we are, and this is what we're seeing, and this is what's unfolding. And it's hard for fans to fathom that this is where we're at because 
it was almost impossible for us to get this bad. Now, as far as Cal McNair, does it ever get better? I think it can. I think it can. You know, once this fails, because it will, with Jack Easterby in the building, there'll be nobody else to point to. You know, Cal can't just, it's very similar to Bill O'Brien, right? We put the earnest on Bill O'Brien, made him general manager, gave him roster control, did all those things. And when he messed up, Cal fired him. At this point, there's only one person for Cal to look at when this fails and when the revolt happens in Houston. And I would think that there's going to be a day where he, he does get to a point and he realizes, oh, my God, I've been led down the worst path possible. And I don't know when that'll be, but I do think that that'll happen at some point because there's no way that this plan works. It's got, yeah, it's got to the point, I think, of this offseason. And it's, it, it's, I think if, if you go back and you, know, you said Dwayne Brown was the, the domino, the next domino was arguably... Jadavian Clowney, many decisions in between then, Co- good coaches going, changes, you know, right across the building. Brian Gain fired was the biggest one that really just put us down the slope. And then if you think from the, and I, I said that yesterday, from the, that, that London trip, the team's only won nine games since November 19. So things have been broken for a long time. It just takes different, you know, di- di- different lengths of time for certain parts of it to emerge on the field. And obviously by the end of last season, there was no, there was no hope in that roster. The roster's only going to be worse now without Deshaun. If Deshaun goes, do you just get rid of everyone? Zach Cunningham, Laramie Tunzel. So what's the point of paying those guys those contracts are on? Yeah, I mean, look, if I was trading, um, if I was trading Deshaun Watson, uh, Laramie Tunzel would be a part of that package. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, just sweeten the pot and also dump some salary cap, right? So. I, I, Laramie Tunsil would go, you know, if the Jets are the are the ones, I'd want Mackay Becton in return so we could be on a rookie deal. Uh, you know, Zach Cunningham, I don't know. I mean, you can't, you can't, if you think that you, you're you going to be able to sell to the fans without Deshaun Watson, the likelihood that you'll be able to do that by gutting this entire roster is unfathomable. I mean, you're not going to be able to. So you're going to have to keep some pieces, right? Is this the way that JJ stays? Do they pay JJ and let him continue so that the city of Houston is happy? You know, there's so many different scenarios that you can go down to see kind of what they'll be doing. But um, I don't know if you can fully gut it, but I do think that there are moves that can be made that can help you rebuild a little bit faster. But I don't know if I don't know if you're gutting the roster is going to be the path. Not only that, when you look at a lot of the contracts, like you can't gut it this year anyways. Yeah, and I think that this was the realisation. I think, and this is where it comes out to me of that, can Deshaun see it? Regardless of all the influence, can he see this clearly? There's just really this year to get through. And then after, I mean, don't get me wrong, um, we've not got enough time today to talk about the coaching hire. It wasn't the best coaching hire we could have got. But I think in this league, a lot of coaches are all of a reasonably similar level. There are the elite ones, but ultimately you can have a, an average coaching staff or a good to average coaching staff that put a good 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 roster of players together you got a chance to win but I think can Deshaun see the longer term that 21 you know is going to be a tough year to get through and after that you know things will change things will develop the contracts are off the books you have a flurry a full suite of draft picks it's there to be changed but it's going to take time and it's definitely going to take less time than it is if you go to a team that guts their guts their resources to bring you in 
So it seems like at this stage, it's all lost. Do you have any hope for the Texans' future in any way before we get this press conference this afternoon? I just want to say this before I answer that question. I like the David Cullian hire. I think from a fan's perspective, it's hard to you, you hear the media talk about certain candidates. And so you get attached to them. Nobody knows which coaches are going to be right. If you look at the NFL, the, the turnover of coaches is an extremely high. You know, it happens every year, four to five coaches every year. And you're going to miss. So we don't know if Coley is the right guy. We don't know if EB is the right guy. Hell, I don't know if Joe Brady is the right guy. You know, we all fall in love with these candidates, but we really don't know. And I think that it would have been great to be able to give Coley um, kind of the benefit of the doubt until we saw otherwise. And that's what every fan should do. But now with everything going on, it's going to be very hard to do that. I, I, I feel bad for David Coley because while he, he could have had an opportunity to really like I said, when you look at the staff that he's bringing in, it's a very exciting staff. Now, I like the idea of keeping Tim Kelly. You know, I think I think it's great. Bringing in Pep Hamilton, who helped Andrew Luck. Um, you know, there's just lots of different things that are happening that should be exciting. Um, but without do you think Watson, it's his, Do you think it's his staff, though? Do you think these are matter. all the guys he wanted? Does it matter? No, I just I just think it just looks like the process has been managed by, by other Casario. people. Well, or other people that should be making the, not the people that should be making these decisions. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think so. I think this is Casario and Coley. That's what I think. Uh, that's just an opinion. But I don't yeah. think Easterby is. I don't think Easterby is playing a part in this. I don't think Easterby knows any of these guys. So I, I know, think he doesn't know anyone. To go, right. That's what I'm saying. So it's it's very easy for us to point to Easterby. This is what's happening. But like, if you look at his track record, like he doesn't have relationships with any of these guys. He's never worked with any of them. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. only person, the only person that does is Nick Casario and David Coley, right? So, I'd like to think that this is a Nick and David move, and it's 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 very it's a very very well. I mean, it's a good coaching staff, dude. I mean, this really is a very very. These guys are all different in so many different ways. This is unlike anything we've seen. You got a guy like Pep Hamilton who is very straightforward and do stuff this way, and this is the right way to do it. And then you have Lovey Smith who's in your face. And then you have David Coley who is a motivational guy and, and can connect with players and leaders. And then you have Tim Kelly who has the respect of, uh, of the team given what we saw last year. You know, Josh McCown is somebody who is liked and respected in the locker room. So there's just – there's things, Chris Richards, a guy who led the Legion of Boom in Seattle and was able to develop Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor uh, and Richard Sherman. So there's just, there's a lot to be excited about. And the problem is we're just never going to be able to see the potential of it because unless Cal, you know, digs his heels in, in the dirt and says, we're not trading Deshaun Watson, which I do think is a possibility. Uh, th- this could work. This could work. Yeah. I the think- likelihood that it will, you know, we know yeah. what that answers. Well, yeah, and I think we, we've all criticised the media circus, particularly ESPN and Schefter and Olofsky, all these things of, of making making a narrative that agents give them to make, and that's how that whole process works. But I think coaches are exactly the same about draft. It's like draft picks. You know, there is a huge potential. There's a huge array of outcomes. It comes down to fit. It comes down to timing. 
and, and, and some good luck. I think you, there is no perfect formula. There's no perfect coach and there's no perfect staff. I think keeping guys like Lowing, well, Lowing, the tight ends coach and stuff, I think, I mean, there's small points, right? But it just feels like there's, you know, there might be some potential there in these guys. And look, you just never know how the old coaching staff was was created or it was down to O'Brien's connections and it should have been it should have been a clean start we've not got a clean start so I think we probably have to maybe put that down to wishful thinking but but, but wait a minute if you think about it though the biggest complaint last year with the coaching staff was that none of them were experienced and all of them were Bill O'Brien guys yeah this year that's not the case all of them have a resume all of them have been around the NFL all of them have had success in the NFL Right when you look at Pep Hamilton, he had a ton of success. Lovey Smith, he was a head coach and one of the greatest defensive coordinators to do it. Yeah, uh, you know. So, I, I, I guess for me, like, isn't that what we were looking for? We were looking for an experienced coaching staff that can maximize the talent on the roster. Yeah, I, th- I think. Yeah, I think if you put it that way, there is a there is a there was a vision there, and I suppose when you see it all coming together and you say the names like that, there there has been a a reasonable. And I, I mean, if you go back to the Lovey Smith Bears defense, and he did it, you know, and he was in Tampa as well. And he, yeah, I mean, he was a respected guy, but now he's been in Illinois for the for the, for the last time he's been in work. But it's yeah, it seems like the, the coaching staff could be okay. Um, but I think the whole point of this is is is, and I think what it comes back to for me is like, you know, I I didn't I didn't mind drive, you know, tra- traveling four thousand miles to go and see Brock Osweiler because it felt like at least the team were trying to go. And win, but I think when you waited 15 years to find the ultimate missing piece, that you know, as Kevin Kevin Dimitrov when he was at the Falcons said, it's a search that will consume you for your entire career until you feel like you've even got close to it. And most people don't. When you wait 15 years to find something you've never had, to let it walk away and slip out your hands this easily, when it was all of your own doing, when it was all easy fixes, when there were so many points of intervention, I think that's the point that'll weigh heavy on people and make them maybe make some different decisions about how they spend their time and their life and actually do they invest in ultimately it's it's Cal McNair's pocket that you invest in. Do they continue to do that if it if it does go to the nuclear option and we're left with a bare bones with with whoever and whoever we try at quarterback. Do you think think that is the sentiment that people might feel right now? Certainly from from what I've seen out there, it seems like that's the case. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand it, you know. But last year, all our guys on the coaching staff had zero experience. All of them were Bill O'Brien guys that were either with them at Penn State, you know, outside of like the special teams coordinator for the last three years. We really haven't had guys that um, have have had experience coaching. And so, I like the fact that that's not the path we're going on, and that we have different personalities in the coach on the coaching staff. You know, I think ultimately, what are you going to do with Deshaun? I think that that's what this yeah. all boils down to. This does that yeah. nothing else matters. Nothing else yeah. matters. Nothing. And and if I really hope, I hate to say this because I love Deshaun, and if he ultimately wants out, I'd love to see him go. But the Texans have the leverage. The Texans don't have to do anything. Yeah, they can force him to sit out. Yeah, they can force. They can find him every day. And do you honestly think that Deshaun Watson? will sit out no, given no. who he is as a person. Yeah, I said that last week. I think the, the, the no trade clause has been overplayed. It, it's a part of the process, but until the Texans make the first move, they control that whole process until you get to that point. So if they just sit on their hands and say, look, if somebody blows us away 
with you know three fir- three firsts, three seconds, and three thirds. Then we'll think about it. But until that's our price, you know, you could say that. I say, it, and you could say to the, the agent David Magaletta, you say, well, that's our price. If you can find a team that can get that, we'll certainly take a look at it. And it's just being confirmed that Lovey Smith as the DC right now. I've just seen that flash up, but I think the they they could say, look, this is our price. If somebody's willing to pay it. And you you think your client deserves it? Then we'll, we'll take a look at it. But until that point, David, we are not in the business of trading a franchise pass. Or end of story. Come back to as if you've got an offer, you know, via a team. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think and I think that the Texans have the ability to come out and also play some of the games that David's been playing. Right? I mean, they they could easily get down to David's level. So, <clears throat> you know, if Nick came out <clears throat> today and said, "Look, Deshaun Watson is our guy." He's not going anywhere. Uh, if you're trying to trade for Deshaun Watson, here's the starting price. And it's, you know, a heavy, heavy price that most teams can't pay. Outside of that, don't call us. If you can't meet that price, we want Deshaun Watson here. He's unhappy. We understand. But we're willing to do whatever it takes to keep Deshaun Watson here and give him the opportunity to succeed as a Houston Texan. And we would hate for it to go down the path of holding out and, and, and things of that nature. But we're not going to let a player go that helps us win and helps us be a better organization. And if you come out and say something like that, you're sending a clear message to one, the NFL, and two, to Deshaun and David, that you're not going anywhere. Yeah, and I think that that that, that was the issue last time. I think the Casario process, however, it, however it, it, it was achieved by the way they landed it with the media. Now, I understand Cal won't be there today. He won't be talking to to anybody out there. So he'll be he'll be hiding where he needs to hide. Um, and I think what we need to, what we just need to do is, is, is hopefully find a way to remove this from the jaws of despair. Because if Deshaun goes, it's over, and it's just going to, you know, it's going to, you go back to, you, you basically go back to, in fact, even probably even you could argue even worse than expansion franchise status, and you've got another 10, 15 years to try and just at minimum ten to try and rumble towards being a semi decent team, and that's if you're lucky. So. Do you really think that? Do you really think that if you trade Deshaun Watson, it's over? It's going to take a hell of a lot to bounce back, yeah. Unless, unless you got, just say you landed somebody of a Justin Herbert. We took the one of those picks, maybe not the first year, maybe the second, maybe the third, and you landed a Justin Herbert level because he's probably been the the best one since since the Mahomes and and Watson class. If you find a guy like that, yeah, then instills hope, but I don't. I, th- I think the psychological damage to people and the team and everybody and all the free agents looking to sign places and and I think it just it will build such a barrier that that may take years to overcome. I might be wrong, but I, I, you know teams can bounce back and the league has a great way of changing its complexion entirely, very very quickly. But I I, I think people would struggle to see a way forward when for so long, you know they're they're. Ha- it's been going backwards when it should have only been going forward. I think if you go back to 2018 or even 2017, if you kept Dwayne Brown and you made all of the right decisions, I think we probably would have won a Super Bowl by now. But we've gone the complete opposite way. So considering how badly it's gone wrong, considering those people are still in the building making decisions and you've got that ultimate owner, I struggle to see a point of inflection beyond just landing on a on a franchise passer again. Because that's, 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 you know, with lightning strike twice for a, for a team like this, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a crapshoot no matter what, right? But 
I think it's easier to say there's no way than it is to say that it's possible. You know, if, if we do say get the number one or number two pick, you know, what if you do grab a guy and what if he ends up being the guy? And then you have him on a rookie deal and you're able to take advantage of it, unlike you did with Deshaun Watson. Is that possible? Is that something that, you know, I, I think that there's just so many different things that can happen and we don't really know what it what it'll look like and we know it's all luck. But I think that there's chances that something happens. And, I, I you know, I'd rather as a fan grasp onto the, the opportunity of, of a possible chance than to just sit here and say it's over. I, yeah, I think this chapter is over, and the new chapter, whenever that comes around, there will be one. I don't think there's a doubt about that. It's just when it comes, I think, is probably the question. Because as I said, I, I think, you know, I watched the the, the last sort of three years of Matt Schaub, when you know, I sort of found this team, it felt like they were on the cusp then. It went away, but then it took, you know, another six or seven years before you thought. So it might just be that time, and maybe that's the, you know, that's the, the sort of natural cycle of an NFL team's probably three to four years just by the rookie wage scale alone. If you don't get it right the first time, after a few you know draft classes and free agent pickups, then yeah, you're looking at seven, eight years. So it might be that, and I, I suppose it's the hope that kills you, right? Because I remember the day I was in Seattle, and I just watched this guy who took it to, albeit the, the sort of tail end of the Legion of Boom defense, like you talked about with Chris Richard being there on the other sideline. But I just thought we've arrived. This is it, you know. And it felt like at that point everything was possible, and we're probably at the complete opposite end of that spectrum now where it feels like certainly a lot less is possible. And we might be waiting a long time before we get to that point of, you know, real justifiable hope that you can go and win a championship. Because at the end of the day, that's why you do this, right? You want to go and see your team win it. And everything else is just steps in between. And until you feel like you're ready to make that step, it kind of feels like it's, you question the worth of it, I think, when you're in the when you're in those those kind of awkward stages between relevant relevancy and uh and mediocrity yeah and i would agree and i think that it's you know justin fields will not be a houston texan no matter what happens with the trade because oh, yeah, david exactly. Mugoletto <laughs> signed yeah. justin Fields. so yeah um you know there's a lot against us but i'm I think starting to get wilson, to the point now i think wilson from byu i think that's right he's uh he's watching a bit of tape of him and he kind of reminded me of this sean in some ways a bit of an factor attitude just the way he delivers the ball you know, there's always there's always new players, right? And he, Deshaun was always going to leave at some point. Just didn't ever think it was going to be four years into this thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, BYU, uh, Christian school. So uh, you know that he's going to be Take on the, the radar. <laughs> Takes the box. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you, James, for your time. Well over the allotted time you gave us. Always hugely generous. And it seems like every time we speak, it's uh, we're at, we're at a a crisis or a or a juncture where it feels like we're uh, perils is certainly is certainly facing us as a franchise and a football team. But um, but James, thanks very much for your time again. Um, hopefully things won't. Somebody can see sense at some point in this process and pull this thing back together because there's a lot, too many good people out there that support this team that deserve so much better. Well, let me ask you this real quick before we hop off. What do you think happens? Uh, so before the trade rumor came out yesterday, I had a conversation with somebody and I said, I don't think he goes this year and he might not go again next year, but he did def- definitely, he goes at some point, he doesn't sign another contract in Houston, but he will go at some point, whether that's in the next two or three years, but because the longer it goes on, the leverage then shifts, doesn't it, to, to his side because then the Texans have got less time, time goes against them. 
and they've got to accept something less than they, than they probably could hold out for now. So you expect him to be a Texan this year? I've always thought he would be, and I thought they would work it out. Whether that was he was sitting racking up fines or whether that was he decided to play because he was in the input, but I thought, yeah, he would be for at least one more year, was my thought. But then I never thought we'd trade Hopkins and I never thought we'd trade Clowney. I thought you'd keep Clowney for two years, sign him on the tag for two years and then let him go at that point if he can't, if he's not worth the deal. And I thought Hopkins, you just let him play at his deal. Nothing else made sense on those two moves. So the president is there for anything to be the outcome, I suppose. Yeah, no, I was just wondering what your thoughts are because I, I actually agree. I think uh, he'll be a, uh, I think he'll be a, a Texan next year. And uh, I think that we'll probably see, you know, if he is moved, I think it'll be next year. I don't think it'll be this year. Yeah, I think they'll let it play out because I, I just think it's 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 too heavily weighted in the Texans' favour just to sit on their hands and say, make us an offer we can't refuse sort of thing. And, uh, and I don't think anybody will do that. And then I think over time, that offer you can't refuse becomes slightly less. And that's probably the only way it, it changes. But uh, But yeah. James, thank you very much for your time, mate. Appreciate it as always. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it, man. Hopefully we can work something out and uh, this team can maybe pull itself together and and give people hope again that uh, that turning up to NRG and wearing that red, white and blue is, uh, is worth it after all.